welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jessica. Today you're going to be listening in on an interview unlike anything I've ever done before. Today I'm speaking with the remarkable Michelle Cayley. Michelle is an extraordinary mom of four. She's a dance teacher. She owns her own studio. She is just a light in the world. And today we're going to talk about her motherhood journey and her cancer diagnosis, which she received two years ago. And as she has fought valiantly and gracefully over the past two years, she recently, in the last few weeks, has received news that the cancer has spread. And so knowing that her time left here on earth is short, she was so gracious in being willing to share her story today, to share her light with us, to share how her perspective has changed and how she approaches each day with gratitude and joy. She talks to her kids. She shares a message for her husband. You'll notice at the end that I don't do any commentary. I felt like the episode just kind of spoke for itself, but you will notice I added a song to the end. Ever since we spoke, the song It Is Well With My Soul keeps coming to mind, and I recorded a special version just for her. So grab your tissues and prepare to be inspired by the incredible Michelle Cayley. All right, I'm thrilled to welcome Michelle Cayley to the show. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jessica. It's so great to be speaking with you today. Where am I talking to you from? Austin, Texas. I love Austin. I have a son named Austin. Oh, really? Yes, yes. And actually, my grandparents went to University of Texas there, and they think we named uh... Austin Austin after the place where they fell in love. And I have oh. not had the heart to tell them that's not really why, but sure, <laughs> we just sure. Like the name. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a wonderful place. Well, um, your friend, I think Jaina is her name, she reached out to me and said, You have to talk to Michelle. She is truly an extraordinary mom. And the more I've learned about your story, that is so, so true. So for people that may not yeah. know you, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? So I am a mom to four amazing kiddos. Um, my oldest just turned 18 uh, about two weeks ago. And then I have uh, a 16-year-old son and a daughter who is about to turn 13 next week. And then a 7-year-old son. And um, I was recently, I was diagnosed about two years ago with nodular metastatic melanoma, uh, which is a form of skin cancer. But um, I've been battling it now for two years and just recently um, had found out a couple weeks ago that it had spread to my brain. And so um, I am now undergoing radiation treatment um, every day to try and shrink down all the tumors, there's 13 tumors covering my brain right now. So they're trying to shrink those those tumors down. Mm-hmm. So our life has changed a little bit, but the best and most wonderful part of my life has been being a mom. 
Mm, and that is what we're really going to start with today. We'll definitely get to what's been going on recently later. But will you tell me about early motherhood for you? Let's go back to those early days. I cannot believe you look yeah. too young. You look too young to have somebody that just turned 18. That's crazy. <laughs> well, um, my whole life, I've always been in a hurry to get things done fast. Mm-hmm. I always felt the need to grow up very quickly. And I did get married very young. My husband and I are high school sweethearts. Mm. And we got married the summer between freshman and sophomore year of college. And I always wanted to be a mom. That was my biggest dream. And I knew that I wanted to have babies young so that I could have all the energy that I would need to raise these babies. So um, after we'd been married for two years, we started our family, and I had my first daughter, Alexia. And it was hard. I struggled with postpartum depression and didn't realize it and just thought that maybe being a mom wasn't all that I thought it was going to be. And although I loved it and I loved her, I I couldn't understand why I didn't feel uh, that tight, close bond that some of the other moms felt Mm -hmm. with their babies. And God decided that I needed to have another baby right away. We're not sure how that even happened (laughs) because I was on at least three or four different forms of birth control. (laughs) And sure enough, Mr. Devin, our little Houdini, found his way here. So... My first two are only 18 months apart, wow. and that was really hard, and I cried a lot and changed a lot of diapers, and, you know, those those toddler years are hard, and there's so many days where you wonder if you got anything accomplished at all and, and what the point of the whole day was, but they're so magical, and I wouldn't trade them, and Although we did have some very hard years in the beginning, they just got better and better. And as the kids grew and their personalities came out, it was wonderful. And I had my third. We, we had a few, quite a few losses in between. So funny enough, after Devin was then my body decided it couldn't have babies anymore. Mm. And so, um, so we dealt with quite a few miscarriages and a midterm loss. And... That was hard because I knew I wanted more children, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to have more. And um, at the same time, my other kids had a lot of medical issues. So my younger years of motherhood were really spent in doctor's offices and therapist's offices and all kinds of things. It was a a much different journey, and I remember looking at the moms at, at the playground, you know, that it would take their kids to the playgroups and thinking, that was nothing like what it was like for me to be a mom. Hmm. But it was okay. I, I, I found my community and I found my support group. And it was still a wonderful experience. Hmm. And how did you keep from becoming resentful when you saw other moms parenting with more ease or not having to schedule playdates around doctor's appointments and easily going to birthday parties. And you go into more detail about your son's needs in a different podcast that I will link um, because it's okay. just it's just wonderful to, to hear about this perspective and this road that you have traversed so amazingly. But how did you stay out of that resentment and, and just find joy and peace with the hand that you were dealt and the circumstances that, that you were asked to walk? 
Well, I stayed close to God, and mm-hmm. I knew that He had promised me if if I talked to Him every day and came to Him with my problems, that He would help me. Mm-hmm. But if I tried to do it on my own, I struggled a lot, and there were definitely times that I was I was so frustrated, and it just wasn't fair. But you love your child so much, and you would do anything for them. And I knew it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my experience. It wasn't about if I got to have the kid that looked happy and normal and and wasn't screaming on the ground. Mm. That didn't matter. What mattered was what kind of future could I give my child and how could I unlock all the doors and the windows for them. And it wasn't... Even with all their medical issues, it really wasn't that I needed to change them. Mm. It's that I needed I needed to learn how to accept them mm. and how to help them navigate the world. Mm. Wow, that is so powerful. And if people go back to that episode, they'll they'll learn that your son was early diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, right? And then eventually low yes. functioning autism. And through yes. your advocacy, through your determination to see him be the best version of himself and that's just what gave me chills throughout that whole interview Michelle just the advocate and the support and the cheerleader you were for him he eventually was able now he's what in eighth grade ninth grade no he he is a sophomore in oh, high school okay 16. okay yeah. so but by eighth or ninth grade he was able to emerge from those special education classes, right? Yes. Amazing. And that is so much in large part to you walking that path alongside him. I have no doubt, but I I bet he's incredible too. He is. He's amazing. Oh gosh, that is. And so I've talked to a lot of women on the show who have various challenges throughout their life. And, and if they're hit really hard early on with something they think at that time, like, gosh, it couldn't get any worse or any harder, or this, mm-hmm. this must be my thing. This must be the thing that's going to teach me all the things I need to know about being <laughs> compassionate and empathetic and understanding and patient and faithful. And then recently, two years ago, you received a diagnosis out of the blue that you would have never cha- dreamed would have changed your whole life. No. Will you? Yeah. Did you feel that way? Like when you were raising your kids, you're like, wow, this is hard, but I've learned so much. And kind of how did you approach that diagnosis? And just tell us a little I bit about did. that time. I I got to a honeymoon phase for sure. Mm. And my pediatrician will be the first one to tell you that, you know, all of my children really had rough starts. And it's so funny because they each have so many different medical issues. And a lot of the times they were genetic but we didn't have the genetic background for them at all. Mm. And, and they, they couldn't explain why, why they had these issues. But the first, quite some time now, it's probably been at least the last, you know, six years, they've been so easy. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know, things, things have just been beautiful and, and, and cherished and, um, my pediatrician makes comments, you know, I never see you guys anymore. You guys don't even get sick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I it, guess. It's just, yeah. No, it's, it is funny. Yeah. They're just, it's so beautiful, and I've gotten to really enjoy 
this time with them as they're thriving and growing and learning. And um, it, I think it gave them the strength. It gave us all the strength. We, we knew we knew how to deal with someone being sick. We mm. knew how to, to navigate the medical world. And it prepared us. Mm. And that this time has given me the time to teach my children how to be independent and responsible and be able to take care of themselves and take care of each other. And so when I got sick, they dealt with it really well. And it's interesting because their their ages range so widely mm-hmm. and their personalities are so different. So we had to deal with them on an individual basis, but there was always a central point. They always came together and they always believed in me and they knew that I was strong and that I could do it. And I talked to my oldest in December when the cancer spread to my lungs and I was taken from stage three to stage four. Um, we told them we were, we were on a family vacation in Florida and we were actually planning our day trip for going to Harry Potter world. Mm. And we, we sat them down to tell them the news that the doctor had just called with and their response was like, okay, so what are we doing today? Like, mm. it was not a big deal. Mm. And it surprised me a little bit. But I respected their, their way that they responded. And so um, we, we just left it. And we, we continued to enjoy our time in Florida together. And then when we came home, I, I pulled my oldest aside and I said, sweetie, do you understand what it means now that it's in mommy's lungs? And she said, oh, yeah, but you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't trying to hide some of how this makes you feel. And she said, well, mom, the thing is you don't act sick. You don't look sick and you don't act sick and you never have. When you were very first diagnosed and you had surgeries and you had complications from the surgeries and you were bedridden for a month. That was the scariest time for us because you weren't you. Mm. But we see you going to work and we see you taking care of us and we see you being so strong and it gives us the courage and the strength to be normal too and to be happy. And you, you let us know that, that it's good to be happy and find joy and be ha- and happy in your situation. And, so when it, when it showed up in my brain a couple weeks ago, that was hard because we had to tell them that mommy is going to look different and mommy's, mommy's going to sound different. And, and, and I don't want to scare them. And I know that I sound a lot different now. And, but I tell them every day, uh, mommy's still the same inside. Her mm-hmm. spirit is still strong and I still say the same things in my head but they don't sound the same when they come out of my mouth now Mm. but not to be scared and they know that and they're handling it really well wow wow you are all warriors and I think and believe and know that as I see families go through different difficult times when one person is affected 
the whole family's affected. And you might think, gosh, you know, the poor kids or the poor husband or the poor wife, whatever the circumstances, but really God lifts the whole family. God doesn't just sustain the one who is sick or is battling or is having trouble at school or is whatever it is, fill in the blank. God will lift and protect and equip the whole family. And that is a beautiful promise. And I see that exemplified and what you're sharing with your kids and the way that you are walking this path with them and the, the way that they're responding. I think that's really beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Wow. And so, yeah, the podcast that I heard you on was prior to this more, more recent update. I think it was recorded um, a few weeks yeah. ago. And I want to know, how does life look different now? I was reading your blog and you had let the doctors know, like, let me know when it's time to freak out. Like they had said, yeah, yeah this is a cancer that's not going anywhere. But, you know, they they gave you a somewhat generous timeline, perhaps. And you said, is it time to freak out? And what did they say? Yeah, I'm very close with all of my medical team. They're amazing, and I have a medical background, and so um, it's actually been a fun journey with them because they talk to me like I'm one of their peers, Mm. and they've been very open and honest with me about every step of the way, and so recently, I saw my doctor, and and she had said, um, when I finished lung radiation, and they, they did my scans um, about a month after my radiation, because radiation stays in your body for a while and continues to work. So so they, they did the scans, and she said, it looks like we might have slowed down or maybe even killed the tumor that was in your lungs, and that was good. But I've been having lots of vision problems, and so they've been keeping a close eye on my brain. And she did the brain MRI, and she said there was a tiny dot, just a tiny little dot that showed up on the scan that said possible metastasis, but she also said it could just be some blood or old blood or something, and Mm. I laughed at her and said, are you trying to say I had a stroke? I think I would know if I had a stroke. (laughs) And she, she laughed and said, oh, no, I just have to tell you what it could be. But she wasn't worried, and she said, it, she was going to do everything she could to get me five years mm-hmm. and that a lot could happen in five years. And I was very hopeful. And then we scheduled um, my my next scan for six more weeks. And that's that's all we were doing. I have had some, some signs, um, a little bit, just hard to read things and... Um, words were getting hard and and things like that so I figured that tiny dot had just turned into a little bit more of a tumor no big deal and when she called me right after the scan and she had me come in and she she pulled up the scan and I I know why she did because she couldn't believe it either Hmm. that we sat there and looked at it and there was no way that could be my brain. And there was no way that I could be doing the things that I was doing when my brain was completely covered in tumors. 
And just the day before, I was in Dallas at a pink concert. I love pink <laughs> so much. <sighs> and I took my best friend for her birthday, and we had the best time ever. We were singing and dancing, and I'm a dance teacher, and, and I've been teaching all week at dance. Wow. And it just didn't make sense because some of the tumors were really large and on your cerebellum that controls your, your muscles and and your your balance. And I, it didn't make any sense, but I knew, I knew what it meant. Hmm. That my spirit is stronger than the cancer and my spirit is going on living. The cancer is attacking my brain but it's not in charge. Mm-hmm. And so then when they started the radiation, they said, they said you, that your brain, because my brain was hemorrhaging and, and they said, it's going to continue to swell. And so your words will get harder and you're going to lose more muscle control. And, and I have, but what's amazing is like today, I decided I wanted to do some yoga, and I can't feel it. I, I, but I can do the movements. And I was, I was doing my sun salutations, and it felt so good. And I could see where my legs were, and I could see where I was putting my body, but I can't feel it. Hmm. But my, but my muscle memory still remembers how to do all that. Wow, wow, that is just that blows my mind. That our yeah, bodies can do that. It is. Well, and it does just show the the will and the power of your soul over mind over matter, you know? And, yes. and that you would have the desire to still do yoga and move your body. And dance has been a large part of your life. And to be able to mm-hmm. just appreciate what movement you have left in the words. I mean, the fact that you're even conversing today on this show, it just... It's a miracle. It truly is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What a gift. What a gift. And so when you saw those tumors and you realize, okay, what did you think? What did, how did it change your day to day? She, she said, it's time to freak out. Mm. And, and she was crying and, Mm. and I, I knew God, God told me it was time, and and so he very, very quickly surrounded me with a huge team of incredible people that that are doing everything for me. I am not the boss anymore. I've always been the boss. Mm-hmm. I am the event coordinator and the party planner, and. Everyone is doing it for me now, and they're doing it in such a loving and beautiful way, and every day has been so beautiful, and I am so filled with love and service and um, and having really good conversations with lots of people like you, mm. and, and getting to say the things that I need to say and get done. And I have absolute peace that my family is going to be taken care of and they're going to be okay. And so I am just going to enjoy every second that (laughs) I have 
with everybody. Mm-hmm. And when it's when it, when I'm done, I'm done, and it's okay. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I'm excited. There's lots of lots of really good things on the other side. Oh, there are, there are there are, and yeah, it must change your to do list quite a bit. Right. And I, and I hear from so many moms, maybe they're in the trenches of toddlerhood or their teen is going through something really hard or they're in a season of waiting and they're waiting for a certain season to be over to be happy. Speak to that mom who is kind of wishing away the season that she's in, especially if she feels like what she's going through is nothing compared to what you're going through. Well, first I would say there is nothing it is too small and you can't you can't compare yourself because there's only one you Mm. and if it matters to you and matters to your heart it's important and you have to acknowledge that and not dismiss that because you are so important to God and he would never want you to feel less than or feel like you're not enough and one of my favorite scriptures It's about the times and seasons of our lives. I've had so many different seasons in my life. And I can remember when you go through those really hard ones. When you think your child will never learn to use the potty in your (laughs) lifetime. And when you think you will never sleep through the night ever again. Or be able to feel beautiful and sexy. That it's just a season. And seasons change, and seasons end, and new ones come, and it brings new things, sometimes hard, and sometimes good. But we always have a choice of how we look at things. And when negative thoughts start to come in, my mom always told me, growing up, I was very precocious, and I could be a brat, and... (laughs) And because I, I, I liked things certain ways and I, I like to try to control things and wasn't very patient. And my mom would say, Shelly, it's about your attitude and you're the only one that can change that. Nobody can change that for you. It's just you. So if something happens and you don't like it, then change your mind. Find a different path. Find a different way. Look at it differently. If it's not working for you, switch your plan. Try something new. Be open to that. And it helps so much Mm. with your attitude. And it helps to remember that when we start becoming very negative, being negative is very selfish. And it's a very dark place. And it's when we start thinking negative about people, usually that meant I had PMS. But... (laughs) I knew, I knew that when I did, I needed to pull myself away from everybody because it wasn't fair. The things coming out of my mouth were not right, <laughs> but, but that, that it was because I was only thinking of me, of how, what other people were doing were affecting me or what I did or didn't have. And I needed to remember that that's not why we're on this earth. Mm. And I needed to focus out. And when I focused out and I looked for the good things, which are everywhere, then you start to realize it's not about you and you find the joy, you find the beauty in things, and you find the ways that you can help others and you see the smiles on their faces 
and it becomes very addicting and contagious. Hmm. Was your diagnosis kind of a trigger to this type of perspective or have you always had this type of mentality? I've always, I like being happy. Yeah. I like, I like having fun. I like to find the beautiful and joyous moments in life. I've always been in awe of this incredible world that we live in and I love people. I've always been a very big people person and, and hearing their stories and getting to know them and their cultures and what makes them them and what makes them happy is one of my favorites. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah, you can't really just flip a switch on this. It really is a lifetime building you to this moment where you can yeah. accept the hand you've been dealt in this way. It really is just a day-to-day accumulation of seeing the good and recognizing the joy and serving others. I, I was going to say, but it's okay to say, this sucks. Yeah. You can you can do that. You need to acknowledge that because you can't go around pretending that bad things don't happen. They do. Yeah. And they hurt. And it happens for a reason. Lots of bad things do happen. But it's like when you get cut. So when you're when you're hurt and you are cut open, you're wounded and you're raw. And that's the most painful. When the nerves are exposed is when you feel the most pain. And your body will try to protect itself and shut down. And that's the time when you really need to focus. Mm. On what it is that you're being taught in that moment. What do you need to learn? And talk to yourself. Talk to your soul. And talk to God. Because he will help you to develop a scar. And when a scar forms, it goes back ten times stronger than what was there before. And those scars are what make us who we are and help us to grow and become even stronger and better people. So I don't want people to think that you should avoid the hard times. Mm. Trials are a blessing in this life. And we have to go through them, or we will never know if anything is any better. They help us to appreciate everything that we have and help us to be a better version help others. Yeah. I want to be that person. And I hope that what I'm doing every single day contributes to that becoming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. I would imagine that you've been somebody that has shown up for others your whole life, whether it's your kids, your family, people in your dance studio. I picture you being just a giver. What has it been like to be on the receiving end? Because sometimes for a giver, it can be quite hard to turn the tables oh. and accept. <laughs> I sucked at that. <laughs> Tell me how you got better at it. <laughs> I, um, God put tumors in my brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I am not good at asking for help. I am very independent and I just would rather help other people. I love helping people. And so... So many incredible people have been helping me, and I knew that when this happened, I didn't have a choice anymore, mm. and it it is so overwhelming. People are 
so inherently good. This world is full of so much goodness. And one of my favorite memories of this year was in Texas, we had Hurricane Harvey, Mm -hmm. and the destruction was unbelievable and so unreal. And my husband and I would go every weekend and stay with friends that lived in Houston so that we could be a part of the cleanup efforts because we both have background in construction. Of course and you do. Of course. So, <laughs> what else can't you do? So Amazing. We, we know how to we know how to do demolition. Wow. But 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 it was the most magical month of being with those people. There was so much heartache and so much ugliness and it was unbelievable what had happened to these people. But people who'd never met people from all different circumstances of life were hugging and holding each other. We're cleaning out the most disgusting things. So many bad smells. Lots, lots of funny stories with the smells, but, yeah. Yeah. but they were, they, but they were doing it joyfully. Mm. And there was this one woman, I, I had been cleaning all day in, in, in waters that were, up to my waist sometimes in in sewage and things and and this woman she at the end of the day she called me over to her house and she had a hose and she washed my body and she washed my legs and my feet and my hands and she cleaned me and let me use her restroom in her house and she fed me I'd never met her. Mm. She didn't know me. But that's the kind of people that this world is full of right now. And so we need to remember that a lot of bad things are going to continue to happen. But it was the beauty that came out of all of this bad things. That's what God wants us to see and to hold on to. Hmm. As Mr. Rogers would say, look for the helpers. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love yeah. him. I do too. I do too. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, you can find whatever you're looking for in life, right? There's plenty of yep. the, the ick and the sewage and the waist deep in muck. And they're the helpers waiting that. Yeah. They're there. But you just got to look. You got to look around. And you are, oh gosh, one of those people, Michelle. Incredible. So I think as a mom, as a woman, as a person of faith, I also think about this question a lot, like, what is my purpose? And and you feel like, you know, you might need a million years to accomplish your purpose. <laughs> yeah. Knowing what you know now, what would you say your purpose on this earth has been? And do you feel like you have accomplished your purpose? I have always loved teaching. It's one of my favorite things, and I love children and teenagers and the youth, and I have gotten to be a part of their lives my whole life. And I feel like one of my purposes, one of the most important things to me is love, 
and acceptance. Mm. And that it doesn't matter what you look like, where you came from. It doesn't matter what choices you make in your life. You are perfect and wonderful because you're you, because you're here, because you're a person. And one of my favorite things to do is to help people to understand how to love themselves and love others and not to be scared when something is different or uncomfortable and to bring people together. We try so hard to separate ourselves with religion and politics and education and we don't need to. We're all humans. Mm. There's, we all have hearts and brains and bodies. We're all the same. We just need to listen to each other and love each other and connect. And I do feel like I have gotten to live my purpose. Mm -hmm. I do. And I've been so blessed by so many beautiful emails and cards and texts and letters from people. Some people that I didn't even really know. They, I've gotten messages from people who just happened to go to the same gym that I went to. Mm. And they've shared such beautiful things that I didn't realize and that helped me give me peace that that they see me, that they, they saw what I was trying to share, to find the joy and to love, and that no matter what, they would always be accepted by me. I think when you're not faced with a diagnosis or you feel like, you know, you have unlimited time, sometimes you feel like your purpose is to grow a business to a certain dollar amount or get a certain title at your job. You know, we have certain bucket list things that kind of drive us and we're waiting for those things to happen. And they yeah. feel so important to us, right? And and those things can be important and have value in your lives. Really, your purpose, when you realize all of our time is finite, none of us have yep. unlimited time and unlimited resources, what are we going to do today to set us up to really achieve the things that we can look back on and be like, yep. Those were days well spent. And you've done that, Michelle. How does that feel? Very good. I'm very happy. Mm. And something I want to share is about um, something I started with my kids. Um, it's probably been a good maybe five years that I started this. Was I got so sick of things. <laughs> you know, when you have little kids, they have lots of things. Yeah. And I don't like I don't like things. And I decided well, one of the things we do for Christmas, we say three presents is good enough for Jesus. It was it's good enough for you. <laughs> yes. And 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 one of those presents is something that's homemade and from the heart. But we changed for for presents, for Christmas and for birthdays. That it's not about things, it's about experiences. Mm. Because at the end, we're not taking any of this with us. It's just stuff. It just goes in the landfill. Mm -hmm. There are 
there are things that make our life easier and more convenient for sure. But, but the experiences that you have together, you never lose those. Those stay with you for eternity. Mm. You have the memories and the opportunity. So I encourage moms everywhere to find opportunities for your kids. Maybe instead of giving them the next iPhone, sign them up for something that they want to try. Or take them somewhere special that, that they would have never thought of doing before or going. And give them that opportunity to learn about the world around them and to experience those things because that's going to help them to be a better person so that when they're an adult, they're not scared of the world and they want to be a part of it. What a gift. That is a gift to give our kids, to have that perspective from a young age. Because yes, as adults, when we're stepping on the 50,000th piece of Lego in the hallway and you're like, I hate all the Legos. You know, sometimes we hate stuff, you know, once we get older and it's not about that novelty on Christmas morning, but to instill in our kids the importance of family memories and purpose and experiences young. What a gift. Yeah, so those, those bucket lists, those yeah. are important. We, sure. we have family meetings mm-hmm. every week. Okay. We have something we call family night mm-hmm. and, and a couple times a year we sit down with the kids and they, they make a list. What are their travel goals? What are the things they want to see in life? What are the things they want to experience? And we see how we can plan that as a family Mm. and and make that happen because we shouldn't just live a life behind a screen. We need to go experience it. And it's such a blessing um, to to be able to set goals and we don't, we've never been rich and, and we didn't need to be, but, but the, the importance of teaching your child, I learned from a very young age. I started my own business when I was probably about nine or 10, but that you have a goal. Now, how do you achieve it? Mm -hmm. And, And if it costs a certain amount of money, what can you do to earn that money? How can you make that money? And the satisfaction that it gives a child to know that they they worked so hard for that and they got to do that, it will mean so much more to them. And, and that then they understand the value of money too, that we don't just get to go on these fancy trips and do all these things. It's expensive and we all have to contribute and work hard so that we can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. What is something that you have done as a family that you are so glad that you did it? Of all of our traveling, I love all the trips that we've taken and uh, when, we, when we go together to places on family. And a couple, couple Christmases ago, I think, we, uh, we went on a family cruise and it was just the most magical time and getting to see them experience that. And I love encouraging them to dream and not put a cap on their dreams. Mm. The only person that can stop you from succeeding in this life is yourself. Mm. And and so I love... um, the times where they've set goals and said, I want to do this 
and and then watching them succeed in that and find that joy. Hmm. That's amazing. What do you want your kids to know from their sweet mom? (laughs) So much, of course. They're used to mommy talks a lot. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) She's been a little bit more quiet these days. Mm. Um, But I would want my kids to know to never, ever give up that they know, Mommy, I am famous for having plan A, B, C, D, E, F, (laughs) and so on. And, and so to be flexible and open that when those challenges come to you, that just find a different way. <laughs> There's a way. You just have to keep looking. And sometimes maybe it's you're not in the right place and you shouldn't be there anyways, and so you should just move on. <laughs> but, yeah. but that you shouldn't shut down. Shutting down is not going to help anybody. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody around you. You have to rise up and, and walk forward and, and see what the next place you're supposed to be is. And that no matter who comes into your life, to treat them with kindness, compassion, and love. They deserve it. You may not see that, and sometimes people say and do mean things, but it's because they're hurting. It's nothing you did. So love them anyways. Be patient with them. And it's always important to be kind. That's how you start your interactions with people. You never start off cold and rude and mean. You start with an open heart and show them kindness always and to find the joy and the beauty anywhere you are you might be in the most torturous horrible place and it might be so hot and horrible and you just don't see anything good about it but look harder there's something god put something there for you to focus on that's beautiful Mm. those are some lucky kids michelle those are some lucky (laughs) kids you have what do you want your husband to know
he is so special. And I am so blessed. He has shown me more than I ever thought somebody could handle. And he is doing it. And he is doing it so perfectly. And he is loving me exactly how I need to be loved. Well, I'm supposed to be the interviewer, and I'm supposed to, like, hold it together and <laughs> lead and guide. No. It just, it makes me appreciate my husband. It makes me, it just makes me think, you know, Michelle. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. So much of this discussion has been centered around finding the good and the joy what would you say has been the hardest part or is the hardest part for you, Michelle? Seeing people hurt. Mm. I hate telling bad news. And I I hid a lot of things from my cancer from a lot of people because I don't want to make people sad and I don't want them to hurt. And it it's hard. It, it's very tender to watch people find out and, and be sad but but I'm okay I am not hurting and and I'm going to be so happy and in such a good place and my kids are and my husband is and I will miss everybody, but I, I, I'm lucky because I get to be with everybody all the time. Right, right. So, so everyone will still feel me. They'll still know I'm around a lot. <laughs> but, but that I just don't want them to feel like something was taken away from them. I'll still be here. I believe I believe that. I believe that. Thank you so much. I was so honored that you reached out and were willing to do this. It's very special to me. You're so welcome. It is it has been my privilege to be able to talk with you today and that you would take some of your precious time and you're in the middle of radiation and I just can't even fathom. But I always ask my guests one final question on every interview. And it's this, okay. Michelle. Okay. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Go all the way back. Oh, <laughs> I would say, chill out. <laughs> That's what I would say. I was so wound tight when I first became a mom. And, and that is why God sent me that special autistic boy. I didn't have a choice. I had to learn patience. But doesn't matter all those things that seem so big and and so stressful they're so small they're not even part of the big picture the big picture is so much more the fact that you have that child and you're going to raise them into an incredible human and then they're going to have humans and affect so many people when you see when they get older and people tell you something your child did or your, your your teenager, something they said or a way they affected somebody. 
you see what this is all about. And it's amazing. It, it's a beautiful journey. So I would say, Michelle, just chill out. It's going to be great. <laughs> it is. What a great reminder. Michelle, you are extraordinary in every, every way. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us on the podcast today. We just wish the very best for your family and for your continued joy and peace and comfort. We're going to be following along and and so many prayers for your family. You are extraordinary, Michelle. Thank you so much. So are you, Jessica. Thank you for doing this. You have a wonderful podcast. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much.